This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, June 25th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Rachel Del Judas. How can the culture of the current news cycle that is never-ending and never-positive be tempered? Jonathan Grella, the founder of JAG Public Affairs and Daily Malarkey, says there is a place in media for snark brevity to bring a lighter yet thoughtful and instructive presence to the current media climate. Jonathan joins me today on the Daily Signal podcast to talk about how he does this with his site, Daily Malarkey. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Today's interview was recorded at the Heritage Foundation Resource Bank Conference, so please excuse any background noise. Now, on today's top news. The New York Supreme Court has suspended the law license of former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, saying the former mayor made demonstrably false and misleading statements when he was representing former President Donald Trump in his efforts to contest the 2020 presidential election. In its decision, the New York Supreme Court wrote via The Hill that, We conclude that there is uncontroverted evidence that respondent communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts, lawmakers, and the public at large in his capacity as lawyer for former President Donald J. Trump and the Trump campaign in connection with Trump's failed effort at re-election in 2020. The lawyers who represent Giuliani, John Leventhal and Barry Kamins, who are retired, said of the decision via The Hill, We are disappointed with the appellate decision, First Department's decision, suspending Mayor Giuliani prior to being afforded a hearing on the issues that are alleged. This is unprecedented as we believe that our client does not pose a present danger to the public interest. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced Thursday that House Democrats will soon create a special congressional committee to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot per Reuters. I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a select committee on the January 6th insurrection. Again, January 6th was one of the darkest days in our nation's history. I've said it now three times. It is imperative that we establish the truth of that day and ensure that an attack of that kind cannot happen and that we root out the causes of it all. The select committee will investigate and report on the facts and the causes of the attack, and it will make report recommendations uh, for the prevention of any future attack. Pelosi's announcement comes after Senate GOP members blocked the creation of an independent commission to investigate the attack. Pelosi did not announce who will sit on the House commission, but it will include both Democrats and Republicans and focus solely on investigating the events of the January 6th attack. A judge in Florida is halting a $4 billion relief program from the Biden administration for farmers that leaves out farmers who are white. In her decision, U.S. District Judge Marsha Morales Howard said the program was governmentally imposed discrimination based on race. She also wrote that Congress must heed its obligation to do away with governmentally imposed discrimination based on race, adding that it appears that in adopting Section 1005's strict race-based debt relief remedy, Congress moved with great speed to address the history of discrimination, but did not move with great care. Mumford & Sons BAM member Winston Marshall is leaving the group so he can freely talk about politics. The popular folk rock group came under scrutiny earlier this year when Winston, the band's banjo and guitar player, wrote in a post on Twitter praising Andy No's book Unmask. 
Winston was criticized for endorsing No's book, which details the violence of Antifa. Winston issued an apology afterwards and said he was taking some time off from the band, but now the banjo player has decided to leave Mumford & Sons entirely so he can freely express his political views without harming the band. On Thursday, Winston explained his decision on Medium, writing, For me to speak about what I've learned to be such a controversial issue will inevitably bring my bandmates more trouble. My love, loyalty, and accountability to them cannot permit that. I could remain and continue to self-censor, but it will erode my sense of integrity, not my conscience. I've already felt that beginning. The only way forward for me is to leave the band. Winston wished his bandmates all the best, saying they did not ask him to step away, but he made the choice freely. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Jonathan Grella, founder of Daily Malarkey. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about a great way you can stay in the know on all the news The Daily Signal covers social media. The Daily Signal has an active presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are constantly posting news stories, clips from interviews, videos, and more across all our social platforms. Follow The Daily Signal on social media so you can get all the latest content from reels on Instagram to video clips on Facebook and political commentary on Twitter. I'm joined today on The Daily Signal by Jonathan Grella. He's the founder of JAG Public Affairs. Jonathan, it's great to have you with us on The Daily Signal. It's great to be here in Texas. Well, it's great to be with you. Thanks for making time to join us. So can you just start off, Jonathan, by telling us about yourself and where was your start in conservative media? How did that happen? Yeah, sure. Uh, came down to D.C. Uh, after undergrad for uh, to pursue my master's degree and started working on Capitol Hill, uh, specifically at the National Republican Senatorial Committee, then worked in House leadership uh, for a number of years, and then uh, to the private sector, um, PR firms, foray into sports even, association world, uh, and, and now as an entrepreneur and doing... Um, public relations, public affairs, advocacy, uh, and, and now uh, this new project that I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, well, let's talk about JAG Public Affairs. Can you tell us about it? What led you to create it? You bet. Um, so for the past six years, I had run advocacy um, as executive vice president for public affairs for the U.S. Travel Association. Uh, and then uh, thought that entrepreneurship was, was the next challenge uh, and decided to start my own uh, sole proprietorship uh, called JAG. And then about a year after that, um, started Protean Public Affairs with four other sole proprietors um, so we can ha kind of have the best of both worlds. The independence and, and small uh, hands-on feel of a, of a um, sole proprietorship and then also uh, we could bring different experts together with different specialties uh, and chase bigger business together. So um, it's been great to combine the two of them uh, and uh, it's... it's uh, there's something to be said for entrepreneurship and learning how to fish uh, in, in that you you can have the peace of mind that you can make a living and, and um, make ends meet um, without um, uh, without too much difficulty. Um, you're, of course, hustling. The downside of it, as, as many people have warned me, is um, you never feel like it's okay to take a break, um, but but you kind of have to you have to train yourself to uh, to do that. Otherwise, you won't 
you won't recharge the way you need to uh, to be your best. Well, on that note, before we get back to talking about conservative media, what was it like starting your own small business, being an entrepreneur? And for people who maybe have that entrepreneurial bug in them, what kind of advice would you give them to say, hey, this is what you need to be aware of, but this is like the good things about it if you want to go this route? Yeah, so uh, truth be told, I um, started my LLC about nine months before I ended up needing it, not thinking I would ever actually need it. Um, and I thought of it like, um, the first time I bought a tuxedo, where if you buy the tuxedo, you could say yes to more things, and you could have that flexibility that if you ever got a last minute invite, you, um, you could say yes. Um, so that, that's how I viewed having the LLC. I picked out the name, picked out the um, web domain, and, and filed the paperwork, and I knew that in a, you know, in a moment's notice, I could be ready to go. And sure enough, um, several months later, I, I decided to take the plunge. Uh, and it's, I, I would say, uh, my advice to aspiring entrepreneurs, not that I haven't figured out, I certainly do not, um, is, to, um, is to buy the tuxedo, to, to pick something out, have it ready. Uh, you never know when you're gonna need it. And, um, and, and it eliminates a major hurdle uh, and a major um, sort of block uh, between you and um, that next career. Um, so a lot of times it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to um, fix your resume. You know, like you, you just get like like I shouldn't have to do that. I don't want to update my bio. Like some of that drudgery, like you you just like kind of you dread it. Um, and uh, this this was one of those things where I said I got to take care of this thing and have it. Um, otherwise, I won't get around to it. And I'm glad I did. That's a great pep talk. I love it. Thanks. You're also the founder of Daily Malarkey. What is Daily Malarkey? And can you tell us the story behind it? Yeah, sure. So there are four of us, um, Garrett, Bubba, um, Ian, and myself. And Ian's going to be down here later on today. Uh, and in January, um, we began talking. I should say that, that a couple of them had talked previously about the need for a daily um, email blast, uh, like a newsletter of sorts that's very short and to the point, very um, clever and pithy, and they recruited me to, um, to write uh, for it and to be one of the co-founders. Uh, and so our first issue was uh, on inauguration day. And so we're, you know, we're a few months into the thing and it's really blown up uh, in such a great way uh, over the past few months. Uh, we get great feedback, um, not just on Twitter and online, but also, um, you know, fan mail and emails and such. And, uh, and, and our list has grown, our readership is great, our open rate is fantastic. Um, we're, we really think that there is a place in the market for um, snark brevity, as we call it. Like Axios coined the phrase um, smart brevity, and we do snark brevity. So um, certainly there's a lot of competition for people's attention nowadays. So you've got to be, be quick and to the point. And in order to get and keep people's attention, you have to be creative and clever. Um, so we bring those couple things together. And then certainly the, um, the news media is not going to scratch that itch for people as, as things currently stand. And, and certainly um, uh, it's not terribly difficult to come up with inspirations for our daily email blast because, because there's just a deluge, unfortunately, a deluge of, of uh, malarkey out there that, that we can opine on and, and poke fun at. 
Well, on that note, with the current culture of the news cycle that we see, that's it's honestly never ending. They're always in our on our hand, you know, in our hands, on our phones, in our living rooms. It's everywhere, and it's not positive really ever. Do you see daily malarkey as sort of something that is going to counteract that constant deluge of just negative news that just brings people down that's constantly hyped up and spun different ways and take with different angles and just kind of regurgitated in different aspects? Yeah, I'm, I feel like the the media is being disrupted. It's long overdue. It's not over yet, and we don't know what the next phase will be. Um, but there certainly is a growing awakening that the mainstream media does not speak to everyone, does not care for about half the country, and you're not really getting, people are, people are uh, now aware that the media is not covering reality as they see it, um, and that there's, there are narratives and there are versions of reality, manufactured realities that, that are um, instead covered. So there is some, some demand out there for someone to bring what's important to them uh, and and certainly to speak to people who feel like common sense is out the window and, and not provided um, online or on TV. Um, and, and that's what we try to do. And so it could be one development in a given day. A lot of times, some of my favorite stuff to write about are trends where you take things that, that may not look like they're connected and connect them. Um, so it's fun to be able to do that. And you say, you know, I only need a couple of minutes of your time at four o'clock every day. I'm going to I'm going to send you this very quick, um, clever blast and you'll be in and out and you'll be smarter for it. You'll be a little entertained and um, it's a uh, it's kind of a good deal. So we feel like the models uh, models been validated thus far. And, and um, you know, you kind of have to. Um, plug away at it every day um, over time. And as I've learned from entrepreneurship and, and my whole career, great ideas are a dime a dozen. It's execution uh, where it's all, where it's at. We also have something called the Anti-Malarkey Avengers. Can you tell us about the genesis behind that? Yes, so glad you asked about that. So another thing I've noticed in the, uh, in the current environment is certainly there's, there's cancel culture and who is not only breaking through nowadays and and at the height of their their superpowers um, but also as part of their superpowers are seemingly impervious to cancellation um, there are a number of names that i could bring up and will um, and but before i get the names could be distracting the real the real common thread the shared dna between all of them is a certain um personality type, a larger than life, I don't care, um, bravado uh, that they bring, and, and they don't give their detractors the power and the satisfaction of sweating them. Um, so whether it's, um, you know, I mean, heck, you could say, you know, obviously Trump had, uh, regardless of what you think of Trump, Trump had some, has some of this DNA, as is Tucker Carlson, as does Dave Portnoy, as does Clay Travis, and so many other folks um, who are uh, lightning rods. Joe Rogan uh, is is another one, and 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 they aren't always conservative, but they are sort of no nonsense. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I think about things from my 
from my perspective, my take on common sense is this, and and they are um, they are the masters of the universe right now, as far or at least the media universe, as far as I'm concerned uh, these days, and um, and and we're we're trying to do some of that. So there is, they are. Um, to be admired because of how strong and robust they are, how brave they are to to stand tall and and not be intimidated. Um, but they've got they've got the authenticity also that people crave nowadays. Um, and there, there's a whole bunch there, and 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 they're also scratching the itch as we mentioned earlier, um, and and giving people a, a not the sanitized politically correct version of reality, um, they're not afraid to call balls and strikes and, and nobody owns them, right? They don't, they don't feel like they're, they're beholden to one side or the other. And, um, and that's, that's, I think, where their strength comes from. So um, they, have our, they certainly have our attention and our, and our respect and admiration. Well, big picture, Jonathan, what's your perspective of the media today? Uh, completely and utterly broken. Um, the lack of self-awareness is breathtaking in that if you were inside CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, um, and knew what everybody was saying about you, you wouldn't conduct your, continue to conduct yourself the same way you have, but yet they do. Um, and I would be going way out of my way to prove the point that I'm fair, right? There was that, that line um, that we poked fun at today in the Marquee about how journalists don't root for a side. And that's, that is malarkey. That is the essence of malarkey. Of course they do. Of course they do. And so um, it's got to be broken to be um, rebuilt in something that's worthy and and believable and tr and um and uh you know to restore journalism to what it should be and if if the media if journalists were what they said they were which is that you know guardians of democracy and freedom um there wouldn't be such animosity from <laughs> from the general public toward them and 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 certainly in the other direction where the news media um basically has nothing to say certainly nothing good to say to half the country. So there's, we're in the middle of disruption. It's long overdue. It's still, it's, there's a lot of pain between here and the end of the, of the process, but um, hopefully good will come of it. Um, I'll certainly say that, um, that the last few years, as painful as, as they've been, um, in many, many, many ways, um, has unmasked a media that you know insisted for the longest time that they're that they're not biased, um, and and I don't think there's any pretending anymore, and they just look foolish every day that they they continue to to deny that and insist that the only people who think that there's bias are conspiracy theorists because it's pretty plain to see now. Well, diving into the notion about biased media, as someone who's worked in media and public affairs, what have you learned or noticed or just observed about how the mainstream media generally covers and operates under a Democrat administration versus a Republican administration? <laughs> That's very funny because uh, today's malarkey is going to be about that. Um, on the occasion of the president stepping out um, yesterday and and um, making yet another racially insensitive comment, and I'm not here to hate on Biden, like, I mean, it, it, 
he doesn't bug me the way he might bug some other people, but I can see through the stuff, right? See through the malarkey. And no politician gets to make dozens of racially insensitive comments and live to tell. I mean, ask Trent Lott and, and, and any number of other ones. And, you know, whether Biden is talking about Obama being clean and articulate uh, several years ago and and then any number, you ain't black, um, that comment and, and you know, that uh, black folks don't know how to uh, muster up an ID to vote and now they can't find themselves lawyers and accountants. It's just this patronizing um, brand of condescending, you know, progressivism. Um, and my view is not only do the media hated Trump so much that they would, they would do anything to keep to get him out, and they did, um, but they are obviously very protective of Biden, not just because he's liberal, but I think. <laughs> Uh, to borrow a phrase from from um, George W. Bush, this is the soft bigotry of low expectations when it comes to Biden. Is he's not held to account for his gaffes, for putting his foot in his mouth because they they deep down inside know that he's not a hundred percent. And I hate to say that, and I I it's it's sad that we're in such a spot. But I, but I think that he's graded on a curve because they, they know he's not completely coherent all the time. Well, on that note, Jonathan, where do you see challenges and where do you see opportunities for growth? All right. So challenges, um, we don't seem to be anywhere close to the end of woke culture, political correctness, critical race theory, media bias and any number of the topics that we um, we tend to focus on uh, at the malarkey. Um, so there will be, there's no shortage of, of things to cover. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, that the things that we view as sort of common sense and plain to see are, are still being grappled with around the country, right? I even have these conversations with family members and, and they'll say, well, what's so bad about this thing or that thing? And they'll say, don't you understand? Like, you know, we've got a lot of work to do to educate folks. Um, and, but they, but we've also come a long way rather quickly too. I think the public's wise to a lot of the nonsense that's out there. I hate to keep saying malarkey, so I'll say nonsense now. Um, and so there's there's a lot of there is no shortage of things to cover. There's still a ton of work to do, um, but we we believe we're on to something just based on the response we've gotten, the you know the subscribership, uh, the growth, the open rates, etc. Um, there is there is an appetite out there for someone to to kind of cut through the nonsense. There's another synonym nonsense, and and deliver to them snark brevity every day at four o'clock, make them chuckle a little bit maybe make them a little bit um, peeved uh, from time to time, but, but ultimately um, delivering information in a way that's, that was worth the five minutes you spent um, you know, taking it in. So uh, that's what we hope to do. Jonathan, before we wrap up, you mentioned cancel culture. It's become rampant everywhere. What is the way out of cancel culture? As someone who knows media, where do we need to go to address this and move on? It's a it's a great question because um, having worked in corporate communications and and sports and and 
some high profile entities, you know, the old textbook says that you're supposed to um, acknowledge the gravity of the situation and offer a very contrite apology and be and and hold yourself to a standard that's higher than the law and ethics moving forward and, you know, turn the page and like there are all these sort of maxims out there about how you navigate crisis and i'm not saying there's nothing to them but when it comes to this kind of crisis where in it where a a bunch of cancel culture cannibals are coming for your scalp and essentially it's not about what you say but they they you got stuck by saying something that they were able to you know seize on or even pounce. I hate. I, I know the the left can't pounce. Only only Republicans can pounce. But, um, but they they dislike you for who you are. And no matter what your apology sounds like or or how contrite you actually are, you're not going to be forgiven. That's not the game. The game is the game is um, you know is about destruction um, of of everyone who's not them. So um, so that so our tactics need to change consequently and and so the answer to that question is don't give them the satisfaction their condescension and self-righteousness is so central to their identity they insist upon themselves and if you don't even give them that basic um acknowledgement and respect and you laugh at them and I say mock them mercilessly. I'm I am on a human level um, a kind and caring and friendly person to any anybody regardless of their politics. Um, but when we're in the ring, right? Like when, when we're duking it out, I fight hard. And and they their kryptonite um, is is not being taken seriously. And and so. I thankfully it's not it's not doesn't require much acting on my part to to not care um, what they happen to think. And, you know, we all know the story of the boy who cried wolf. And if you're if you you scream and yell over every last thing, then it's hard for me to take seriously when there actually is a problem. So I think they've they've done that to the culture. They've cheapened terms like racist and misogynist and sexist and all all the other ists that are out there um, so that they're rendered less valuable, um, sadly, um, for when when they're actually needed. Um, And so for that, um, I think we've got to fight back. Don't commit yourself to playing offense don't think that you're ever for a minute gonna befriend or win over or persuade them. Just go about doing your thing. Make no apologies for it. And and more than anything else, and this is the best part, is they could be screaming mad. And if and if you're if you still have a smile on your face, there's nothing there's nothing that will drive them crazier than that. Um, so thankfully, the this, the smile that's on our faces um, is uh, you know is sincere. Uh, we're we're having a blast, and that's just that's just who we are. So we feel like we're we're uniquely positioned to deliver this message to the people. Well, on that note, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Signal. It's been great having you with us. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all on Monday.
The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.